0: Welcome to the Mandy Trapp Podcast. My name is, of course, Mandy Trapp, and I am a busy mom of three, a mindfulness coach, and the founder of Lifestyle Meditation. I believe that all of us, whether you know it or not, are on a journey. A journey to find out who we are, why we're here, and how to get what we really want. But to know all of this, I know that we must get quiet enough to hear the answers. Sometimes these answers come from somewhere deep within ourselves and other times we find the answers in listening to the stories of others. This podcast is all about taking you beyond the idle and sometimes distracting chatter of the mind in introducing you to new and creative ways of seeing the world, yourself, and even the problems that you face. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let the experience begin. Hi there, and welcome back to the Mandy Trap podcast. My name, of course, is Mandy Trapp. And today, I have one of my favorite people in the entire world. I wish that this was on video. You could see her face. She's the happiest, smiliest person that you're ever going to meet. Her name is Jillian Shecker. S-C-H-E-C-H-E-R. I only joke, is when you follow her on Instagram, you're going to see the phonetic spelling of that. But yeah. Uh, She is absolute pure joy. She's got an incredible story and um, she's big into helping other people to find their joy, to find their purpose. She's an incredible photographer. She is a brand expert. And more than that, she is my friend. So, welcome so much, Jillian. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. All right, so can you share a little bit with us about yourself? Maybe just kind of share a bit of your story. And then can you share our story, how we met, and uh, how we came to be sitting here today?
1: Oh my goodness, so loaded. Oh my gosh, there's so much to tell. I feel like I should tell our story because it's kind of related. And otherwise, we'll be here for like six days. <laughs> um, so Mandy and I met two years ago? Was it around two and a half, mm-hmm. three? a half? Three? When did the studio open? Two and a half. Okay, two and a half years ago. Um, so we met when um, I was going through a period in my business where um, I was really struggling with boundaries for a variety of reasons in my personal life and professional life. Um, I had recently chosen sobriety and um, was kind of cleaning up the <laughs> The remains (laughs) after, you know, a life of a, with a pretty significant drinking problem, um, that began 10 years prior when I lost my dad, um, to a heart attack, severe heart attack. Um, and yeah, so he was also a drinker and a smoker. Um, and anyway, so, so things for me from that perspective just progressed and, Um, I, when I look back at that time, we're just diving in, just diving into the death, (laughs) Uh, going deep here. Um, so when I look back at that time, that was where I consciously started choosing to numb because of the pain. And so just like coming home from work every day at that time I was doing hair and I was, uh, it was a fairly social job Mm -hmm. and I just was unable to really be with that pain. And so every night I would just come home and drink wine. Yeah. Um, to kind of cope. And so that's where I can see in my past where it started to become like a, a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I just, uh, I almost describe it as where I left myself. It was one of those moments in my life where I left myself to go and um, um, caretake others. Yeah, I call myself a recovering codependent. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, I just like, you know, instead of caretaking my own broken heart, Um, I just kind of went into rescue mode, which is not uncommon in alcoholic families. Mm -hmm. Um, so did that, (laughs) did that, the drinking thing for a while. Um, but having said that, you know, I was always, I always was and always will be a seeker. So it's like, um, there was a lot of consciousness there actually looking back. My mom was big in self-help and, um, big into self-help and you know uh, introduced me to Marianne Williamson and Louise Hay and all these authors that like way way back when they were just kind of beginning um, and so that kind of literature was uh, very comforting for me right. always yeah. um, and also like Melody Beattie who writes on codependency and just a beautiful writer um, all of that stuff and then uh, came across Daniela Port and her fire starter sessions which really helped me to get clear on my strengths and gifts and what I wanted to do. Um, see how this gets very windy, <laughs> this this tale of myself. Anyway, long story short, I ended up uh, moving into a career that was much more who I was. Um, so I call it a joy job and it's taken on many forms, um, but it started out as in branding when I got a, a design diploma and started um, just using my creativity in that way. Um, and yeah, so that's where I started to really start to show up more fully who I was. Um, and in, in business as it progressed and then as I became like a full lens or a full time, um, freelancer and just like fully went for it in my own biz. Um, obviously I saw that
0: become more of a problem like the drinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet, you were saying you were in your joy job. So now not as much pain coming into your life maybe on the day to day, you're feeling a little bit more in alignment, but recognizing that the alcohol was still there.
1: Yes, and in fact, okay, here comes the sort of tale, my friend. So the tale is that I actually um I've always been a freaking manif- ma- master manifester actually. When I look back in my life, I'm like, I am so good at this. I'm great. <laughs> I'm great at manifesting what I want to have happen and I think it's because I I believe like I just believe in the possibilities of these wild things happening and so um I think it was year one of full-time it was year one of full-time no year two of full-time business um and I was like oh I want what do I want to do I want to work I want a job like a designer for Daniela port that's what I want so I went I'd seen some a designer for Daniela port on Instagram went hunting for this person didn't find her but went through all of Danielle's website creeped on like everyone that worked with her and <laughs> and a week later no word of a lie there's a in there's a message in my inbox yeah that says hey I'm like, it was Angie is her name. She's like the marketing director for Daniela Port. We're hiring a graphic designer
0: and wonder if you'd be interested in the job. <laughs> You're like, what the hell? Oh my gosh. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, but but now what? So- <laughs> okay, so what now? <laughs> you didn't actually think that far ahead like you would you'd get the call well no no like well I, yes well I don't even know what I was thinking Actually. <laughs> just wait it was like when I had a baby and I had nine months to prepare myself the first time and then I remember my husband and I bringing the baby in from the hospital setting her down in her little bucket seat on the coffee table and we both slowly backed away and we're staring at her going okay well no nobody told us what to do now <laughs> very similar just joking same
1: same but (laughs) completely different totally different oh my god a baby that would be interesting um (laughs) so so i ended up agreeing like it was a very rigorous process actually and um and i was so excited like i screamed it from the rooftops it was like i won the freaking lotto it was like oprah winfrey phoning and saying like hey do you want your dream job you know um which made this made it very interesting so in the interview um Angie asked me, are you willing to work 40 to 50 hours a week? And now that I look back, I think that was my error. It was actually, it was a no in my heart. It was so like, no.
0: What were you feel? Did you notice like a gut instinct at that time?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think you always do.
1: But it's like, I'm not saying no to Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, it's a yeah. no, but I can work around this or I can make it happen or, or just disregarding that because it's a, it's a lotto job, right? Um, so I said, yes. And then, and then I continued to lose myself for about three months. I was just so insecure. I was just, yeah, I was insecure. I didn't feel prepared. I didn't feel worthy. Um, I busted my ass. Nothing was not necessarily good enough, but it wasn't, it wasn't my best work. It's like when people, you know, when people think you're stupid at something or bad at something, you start acting bad at that thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, there is that, that there exists that belief in you that it's true and so you start to act it out and so i really acted it out and uh, i just didn't show up in my fullest self Mm -hmm. and also again like the drinking increased i was super stressed i was working like 60 70 hours a week so miserable like so 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 miserable um and then i ended up leaving i ended up leaving and right around that time was when the drinking just like it was just out of control completely like blacking out like three or four times a week. Like no one knew though. No one knew. And still probably doesn't know how bad it was because I presented it. I mean, I was doing, I was showing up still, right? Yeah. But feeling fucking awful uh-huh. and filled with shame and guilt and this cycle of darkness.
0: And did you notice that, <laughs> I, lo- I, I love that. This is probably the wrong word to say, but I, I love really being present with the Feelings of shame because I think that's one of the lowest emotions that we can hold on to as a human being. Mm-hmm. And so there's one thing to feel shame when we, from the outside looking in, we are successful. You have this great dream job, and even though you might be overworking, you may be feeling shame because you feel a misalignment from where you are. Mm-hmm. But now, as soon as you leave that job and you're fully and completely open and exposed, and you don't have people from the outside looking in, with this masked sense of success. Mm-hmm. I think we sometimes call this the shame spiral. Tell me where you went from there.
1: Um, well, I... It was actually supposed to be like a celebration. Like it, it could have been that. It could have been a celebration of like aligning with myself again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just went sideways because I was so trapped in addiction at that time. So it was like... Um, and also when I look back, I'm like, it was, it was just... My path. It was actually there to heal me, though it was fucking awful to go through, yeah. right? Just like the, all the contrast that we experience. Yeah. It's painful. It's awful. It's dark. It's shitty. And just like the heroine in the movie or the hero, it's like, that is your journey. That is how we evolve. It's how we shift and grow.
0: Well, the hero's journey is really about following the calling of the heart. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you don't know enough about, um, your own soul and your own spirituality and the fact that you are now landing in a place that is way more truly aligned with who you are, mm-hmm. then I think we get lost in the identity of what everybody else builds around us. And we buy into their expectations or we buy into their perceptions mm-hmm. that they are casting onto us. And I think it's even what you had shared you know, earlier that you experienced even when you were in, in the job or in the role. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And that you think will give you all of this joy or happiness or success. Totally. Yes. And it's,
0: and it's, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm just having a bit of an epiphany right now. So I can't (laughs) even find the words for it. But I think that there's so many people that so heavily over identify with their identity Mm -hmm. that whether they have the recognition or not that I am a soul or a spiritual being having a human experience, I think what they can identify with is misalignment. Mm -hmm. And when we, Follow that call, our heart's desire, like the hero's journey. We follow the call, we say no, we back out of something that feels like a misfit for us. We fall into this deep, dark, and depressive state A, because we don't recognize that place, but also B, we've been living so far outside of ourselves in everybody else's perception or expectations that when we don't have them there anymore, like patting our shoulders and propping us up, mm. now there's even a deeper sense of isolation or separation.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is like that forest experience, right? Mm-hmm. It's like being the, the I keep thinking of like the tarot, like the tower yeah. um, and being being alone, having to walk through the darkness, having to be in the darkness alone and really face all of those demons. Like, who am I without all these things that I thought would make me happy? And it's interesting because as a kid, I always knew that external things wouldn't make me happy. I, I, t- I write about the joy method and that's a part of it. It's like, I always knew that nothing outside of me, that the white picket fence or that that life would not make me feel the way I wanted to feel. Um, so I had this deeper sense. I just got a little bit, last time we talked, we talked about being lost on the path. And since then, I'm like, oh no, it's not being lost. It's actually just whether or not, like whether or not we're turned up or down so how because we're always who we are right and I don't I don't view um missteps or um falling off the path like I don't see it like that anymore I see it like oh no this was a part of the this is the part of my greater awakening Mm -hmm. right and so the dark nights of my soul (laughs) the the drinking the sobriety it it all yeah it came to a head so that I could shift my life entirely and so in that shift um Though I'd like to say, like, I mean, quitting drinking was easy. It was easy to not feel like total shit all the time, actually, because it was keeping me in shit. However, all of the relationships that I had that revolved around this mask of who I was... Had to shift as well, and that is where it became really hard.
0: You know, I think that's the hardest piece, and I'll just say that this is not the first podcast that Jillian and I have recorded together. <laughs> we actually did one last week that um, we had some major audio glitches, so we I didn't end up posting that. But really, what we got into last week was talking about those times in our life where we really have to step away. From the group or from the tribe that we 've known that's helped to keep us safe, but we know so clearly that it's at some point in our life keeping us small, mm-hmm. right, and that if we kind of look at ourselves as as a collective and as a community, we are we are more, way more cooperative and collaborative than we are competitive mm-hmm. and this goes back to the nature of just being you know being a, a, a i wouldn't say like a, a person on this planet, but you know animals and, and particularly mammals that live in their own little flocks and tribes and those types of things, they do this as survival instinct. Mm -hmm. And there's a really fine line between being within the safety and the support of a community um, and still being able to kind of be yourself and be valued for who you are. There's a fine line between that and then getting totally swallowed up and not wanting to take that risk to change or to shift, particularly some of the unhealthy behaviors at risk of being eaten alive either by the tribe or you put yourself out there and now, you know, you're the first one kind of standing off to the side for, for the wolf to come and get you, Mm -hmm. right? So tell me, what was that like for you when not only did you give up, you know, alcohol, did you notice, like, what were some of the first things that you began to notice within your, um, within your friendships or relationships?
1: Well, to be honest, um, I'm just trying to think because um, my other relationships had kind of fallen away before then, before that time. Um, it was less like friendships that I was struggling with and more family connections. And and honestly, uh, just the really super codependent ones that were built on, I, I would almost say lies, like just built on my own sacrifice. And when I think about drinking, I think about how I was drinking down all of my sacrifice. And yeah drinking down my voice drinking down who I actually was because I wasn't sharing that truth you know Mm -hmm. just like people pleasing and making sure everyone else felt okay instead of me um sharing my truth which might ruffle feathers and we all play small in certain ways to keep us safe right Mm -hmm. so just really investigating those behaviors and also just having to shift because I was sober so like I actually couldn't be that person anymore and I think that made people really uncomfortable because all I I just came out like a fucking raging bull (laughs) It was like, sorry for the very loud laugh just then. <laughs> but it's like, I was just like, all of a sudden, yeah. this person who had feelings and opinions and boundaries and like people were afraid of me. My mom was afraid of me. Yeah,
0: You know, it's like, who is this? Like, where is my daughter? Where is my sister? And, and so I have to ask you a question about that because I know, you know, a couple of my close friends have also made the choice to quit drinking because it was quite out of control and they're very dependent on the last couple of years. And mm they're both still in the place where they really struggle with it constantly and so I only I mean I formed a friendship with them while they were drinking Mm -hmm. and they were super fun and very outgoing and now they're boring and they're angry and they're easily (laughs) agitated so I've only ever known you since you've been sober Right. And you are literally, as everybody's listening can hear, like you just laugh. Like every five and a half seconds, it's a laugh. You're smiling. But did you feel like that when you were going through this change or this transition?
1: Um, At times, but I've, yeah, at times for sure. It was difficult and very painful. And so we met it around that time, Mm -hmm. actually. So we can get into that. But um, I've always, I think, been a joyful person, actually. And what I can see about alcohol, this is turning into like a seriously alcohol-based podcast
0: episode not the intention Uh, (laughs) but I think it's important
1: it is I mean it's great to share um what I think I was also doing in hindsight is because I've always been very very grateful is I almost was also and Brene Brown talks about how we cannot selectively numb Our emotions. And that made so much sense once I got sober because I could see how the gratitude I was experiencing and the joy that I was experiencing was so off the charts that it was almost scary. It was almost scary. So it's like I could see how one may also numb those too. And I could see how I was numbing it as well because if you're coming from a lack mentality, then the amount of joy that you feel or the amount of gratitude you're experiencing in a moment, you're also equivocating it with lack or the loss of those things. Yeah,
0: yeah. and and you and I were talking so much in depth last week after I was speaking on this panel that Jillian came to that was all about the topic of Mm self-sabotage because I think sometimes a lot of people equate addiction and I'm not just talking about alcohol, but you know, Mm So many of us, even you, as you're listening, I mean, we either have some type of dependency or we have an addiction. So we have behaviors that continue to, as you had mentioned, Jillian, it takes us out of the feeling, right? It's the avoidance of pain or the avoidance of discomfort, be it emotional, be it mental, be it physical. But I think a lot of people think that, no, I'm avoiding negative emotions. I'm avoiding anger. I'm avoiding shame. I'm avoiding guilt, when there is also that whole equal and other side of it, that how often are we sabotaging ourselves from feeling joy and feeling accomplishment, success?
1: Mm. Yes, big time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Lots. So, um, yeah, just another way to possibly play small. Um, but, but in line with the joy, etc. Um, I mean, I'm way more fun now than I was as a drunk, I think. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> But, you know, with, with, um, substances, it's like, it is fun until it's not, you know? So now people, if they ask me about my drinking or I'm like, I'm so much fun with orange juice. Like I actually don't need booze. Um, but what's beautiful about it is that it's consistent and it is, you know, I have my ups and downs just like everyone else, but, um, there's just so much, there's such a, I have such a tenderness for myself now and, uh, compassion and respect
0: and, you know, forgiveness, um, yeah, it's just... Do you still hold any shame? So back to the shame piece. Do you hold any shame about how you were, how you acted? Do you ever think back about some of those times? Right.
1: I I feel like the answer is yes. Although, is it an actual yes? I, pre- I essentially blast myself with love and compassion in moments of shame. And I also, I think the biggest thing was when I think about um, atone, I feel like I've atoned and I atoned with myself and I atoned with something higher than me. Yeah. And, um, and when I did that, everything shifted. I, it was like, I'm not going, because shame keeps us in those cycles, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I just knew that this is what I would call the miracle, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It was a moment when I, I atoned and, um, and yeah, so when I think back and I look back, I just know I wouldn't be able to do the work I'm doing now, which is like my mission is just to blast the world with joy and to, to remind people of our humanness and to let people know it's okay. And no matter what you've ever done, or who you are, you deserve joy, you deserve happiness, you deserve um, forgiveness, like, yeah, I just can see it all from a, such a much more compassionate place. And this work I do now, it couldn't be done without the rest. When I think about all the shit I've been through, and we've all been through our own different levels of contrast, it's like you would not be where you are. What? How are you using these as opportunities to share and rise and um, inspire others? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's all about connection.
0: Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Thank you for sharing that piece. I think it was... It's a beautiful kind of full circle to really kind of see how you've come back to yourself and back to joy. But I want to touch on something that you had said in that lovely little soliloquy. (laughs) (laughs) And you said that for you, it was about atoning and surrendering to a higher power. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's one of the 12 steps Mm -hmm. in AA is surrendering to a higher power. Um, For you, what is that higher power? Can you describe that? Oh,
1: well, let me think let me sit with that it's an inner knowing it's an it's a trust it's um the ability to i guess feel like really truly feel life Mm -hmm. and feel that alignment um it's in those quiet moments Mm -hmm. it's in the in between often Mm -hmm. um it's in a smile or just even the sparkle in your eyes. It's just like, I just see, I see God in life, right? In every breath, I just feel it. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that is, that is God.
0: And do you have certain practices that you engage in regularly, be it meditation, be it prayer? What is your way of really connecting to this? And how often do you do this? How often do you check in? <laughs> Laughter. Laughter.
1: I would say honestly, so oh my gosh, right? Like laughing is my favorite thing to <laughs> do <Did you> ever. <laughs>
0: do you have a favorite joke? Um, do I have a
1: favorite It would probably be one of our many gifts. <laughs> 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 we speak in gifts. That's our language. Our love language is gifts. Um, I think it's just being light, just realizing how temporary things are. And again, I think that is a something that I've experienced is and people who've lost loved ones or gone through serious illness we all know you know um we know how precious life is and so um
0: yeah I I feel like meditation you're saying what is that question again the question is what are your practices (laughs) (laughs) I was really actually just gonna say that
1: (laughs) so connected um for sure meditation and that brings us to us so (laughs) 20 minutes later. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the sobriety and the business, things were picking up, but I was really having a hard time with the boundaries. That was like the biggest struggle. And so I was about to hire a coach, um, to help me with that. And, uh, it was a lot of money though, that I couldn't technically afford at the time. And I remember my husband, David just saying to me, you know, um, he was worried that I was chronically seeking self-improvement, which is like, so was so true. Um and I just yeah I started to cry because I realized that I would never be happy on that path. Um so I just knew at that moment I had to go within, and so a week later I went to lifestyle meditation, met good old Mandy here, <laughs> and turns out it was the first class of the first day you'd open the studio, and from then on I mean like my life was just forever changed, mm-hmm. because you really helped me to uh, to go within and. Provided this space and the tools to do that in such a beautiful way. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that's the only way. It's the only way. And you had mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast talking about growing up around your mom, who was also a seeker, but you used the word self help, which I think is interesting. Like, we don't, in this whole self help industry, we don't really call it the self help industry anymore. It's more about personal development. Mm -hmm. This is the personal development. But when we look at it, I think that the change of the transition, even in what we're naming it has evolved because self-help implies that you receive resources and guidance and instruction, and then you go within to help yourself. Now this is a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry of people addicted to having other people hopefully try to do the work for them and they're not actually helping themselves. They're not actually helping themselves. So this practice of meditation, while it's a practice, it actually gives you the awareness and it gives you the tools to be able to do that work for yourself. Yeah.
1: Yes. And oh, just so beautiful. I mean, that definite game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's now what I use in the joy sessions as well is just to remind people. It's just like that reminder of who you really are. And to me, I believe that who we really are is joy, that that is our natural state and um, you know, it's in line with law of attraction and Abraham Hicks, and it's just, it's, it, it's life seems and feels so complex at times, but when you actually break it down, it is so much more simple than
0: we believe. Right. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody? I'm going to give you a difficult question. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. I didn't prep her with For any it. of these questions ahead of time. What would you say to somebody that comes to you that has just not, they don't even know or they can't even recall the last time that they felt the experience of joy. Mm-hmm. And they say, joy is not who I am. It's what I'm looking for outside of myself, but it's, it's not who I am and I don't know how to find it.
1: Mm-hmm. I would probably, well, in the joy sessions, I take people through, I call it a joy day meditation. So if you can't, if you haven't experienced it, then it's like um, kind of inviting in the physical experience of it. So what does it feel like in your body? And just kind of connecting it from there because sometimes it's that's the easiest way to explain it is how do you feel? And I often talk, I mean, on a vibrational scale, joy is in line with gratitude, um, love, peace, all those high vibe emotions. So it might not be what you think it is, right? Mm-hmm. It might not be so off the charts is what you would expect joy to be. I feel like often... I have felt joy in the in the in very dark moments and very hard times, um, in the losing of loved ones, or you know, like in moments of alignment when you are so connected and feel the grace and peace of trust and surrender. You know, to me, that is also it has elements of joy because it is the truth of who we are. It's it's a reminder.
0: Yeah, I think that's so interesting because sometimes I know for me when I think about what is joy. I imagine like a little kid jumping up and down and waving their arms around. Mm-hmm. Like, ee! You know there's <laughs> I'm sure there's a gift for that. I'll send it to you later. <laughs> but thank you for sharing it in that way because I as even as you say that I can begin to recognize that I feel that differently mm-hmm. than joy just might be, you know, watching a a baby bunny Mm -hmm. hop across, you know, my path in front of my car and I get to watch that. And there's just, you say inner knowing, just like an inner smile. Maybe it's not always an outer smile, Mm -hmm. but it's an inner smile, which I love. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And just again, those reminders of life. Because I feel like it is such a joy just to be alive, you know?
0: Yeah. So do you think that that's our purpose in life is to, to find our joy again?
1: I feel like our purpose is to remember our joy so it's a real remembering of who we are at the core and um, through life it's easy to kind of clamp up and and be fearful or start to live from a fearful place often just by way of being human we encounter things that um, we are, are scary yeah. <laughs> are scary and don't feel good and possibly are awful or traumatic or you know like there's so many possibilities there um but even in the day-to-day it's like there are moments where you can see the choice between fear and love right and so it's like what am I choosing Mm -hmm. am I choosing love how would love react I, I ask people in my groups um what would joy do what would joy do in that moment you know What would love do and it's so much different than what would fear do or what would anger
0: you know what i think about i think about that movie inside out and you remember that cute little blue thing blue fairy (laughs) what was she tinkerbell (laughs) a fairy of joy what would joy do Mm -hmm. so to be able to almost characterize joy to characterize love and to characterize anger and greed and guilt and to Mm -hmm. go what would they do Mm -hmm. in this situation Mm -hmm. that was powerful
1: yeah and like how do i want to feel What do I want? You know, in law of attraction, we talk about putting your focus on the things you're wanting to have happen. Mm -hmm. That is a different experience than focusing on what we don't want. Because as we both know, we attract what we we are putting our energy towards. So it's like, am I going to focus on the email that is driving me nuts and like really poking me and making me feel less than? Or, you know, am I going to choose to respond in an uplifted and higher self way, whatever that looks like? deal with it and move on and not waste time and energy on things that you know just aren't productive I don't know where that example came from but (laughs) I don't
0: know but I think at the end of the day there's always a choice Yes, right there's always a choice and whether it's Nelson Mandela that was talking about when he was liberated finally from prison after being wrongfully imprisoned for so many years and I don't remember the way that he really shared it through his exact quote but you know kind of saying you know that they could imprison my body and, and do whatever they wanted to me but they couldn't take away how I wanted to perceive a specific situation, how I wanted to feel about it. That was my choice. Mm -hmm. And Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, who was a um, a Jewish psychologist who was in Auschwitz. He was actually in four different concentration camps. And that was his entire, I don't want to say his purpose in life, but it was definitely what he ended up sharing with the world. And his legacy Mm -hmm. was when he watched people give that away They give away their own right and their own freedom to make their choices. How do I want to perceive even some of the most unthinkable conditions that we can still, you know, maybe not even totally fathom as human beings. But he said he would notice as soon as they would give that away that they would be kind of the next ones to either, you know, he'd say, then you'd see a guy, you know, light up a cigarette and you knew that, that he was going to kind of give in, whether he took his own life or he would, you know, do something to trigger one of the guards. There's no will left to live but I think I want to just kind of wrap this up by saying, you know, a lot of our will to live or our will to become sober or our will to find our purpose, our will to connect, mm-hmm. all comes from and stems from the knowledge and the wisdom that we always have a choice. Mm-hmm. And you can choose joy even in the most horrific situations. And sometimes in the most joyful situations, you can choose anger, mm. you can choose jealousy, you can choose greed. Mm-hmm. That that is our choice. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful that you chose sobriety. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that you chose to come into the studio that day. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that you continue to choose joy, even in the moments where it's not always easy. But in those moments, I'm grateful that you choose to use those as times to be very vulnerable and to share with the rest of the world you know through social media and the other ways that you have a very big presence in the world that shows other people that it's okay to be where they're at and then as soon as they're done having their little pity party that they can choose something different Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful that you chose to be my friend Mm -hmm. and I just love you and I adore you and I'm gonna cry about that Mm -hmm. because it's a choice who we choose to have around us all the time and sometimes we don't think it's a choice like oh I have to be this in this person's life because they're my family or I have to be because of that but Mm -hmm. to me that brings me joy it's an inside smile and an outside smile Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for you thank you for being here and for inspiring everybody that's here Mm -hmm. can you please just share with everybody that's listening where they can connect with you and with your message
1: sure okay so um thank you I love you (laughs) um Jillian everywhere, like Instagram and Facebook. I think you spelled it. So thank you. <laughs> S-C-H-E-C-H-E-R. And um, at com, they could, uh, if you want more joy in your life, I've got a bunch of different options and um, even just join the Joy Club, which is free. And I just love sending kind of just love notes and joy inspired messages to people on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah. Awesome. You're the best. You're the best. Thank you everybody for listening to this edition of the mandy trap podcast again that was jillian shecker and i'll see y'all next time peace